Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So we had an Apple event. And, Yay. you know, being being developers, it's always kind of fun to see this from, from two sides. I mean, number one, like, I think many, if not most of us, are also just big Apple fans. That's why we're here. Uh, and uh, and so it's, it's always just fun whenever there's new Apple stuff. And hardware is always fun. And this is a hardware-focused event. So, and then also just it's interesting from a developer point of view whether these are you know developer focused tools whether they can help us in that way and what new development possibilities now have opened up with whatever new hardware features or hardware changes or market changes uh, apple has made yeah and i mean i think in for each of the like i guess there's there's three main devices that were uh, announced at the, at this event that were relevant for our discussion there's the macbook air the mac mini and the ipad pro and i think each of them is interesting um as if you're a professional you know uh, Apple developer that like there, there's there's something in each of those that is I think is interesting and worth worth talking about like in very different ways because they're all very different devices but like they 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 very specifically address um, you know just different parts of our of, of the development life cycle as well as you know like in, in the case of the iPad expand things out a little but um, maybe it's best to just start talking about the MacBook Air I mean the, the Air in particular I, I think is really interesting because. It is an option for developers to use as your computer, whether it's your only computer or whether it's your like travel or secondary computer. A lot of developers use small Apple laptops for that role. Uh, you know, the big ones like the, the the MacBook Pro is very popular among developers as well, usually as a primary device. Um, but um, I, I think in the case of the Air, it could be your primary, but you're gonna you know you're gonna struggle a bit with screen space and probably a bit with performance as well. The new Air is. Uh, we don't have benchmarks yet, but it is seemingly very similar in performance uh, capacity just by like what processor it has to the 12-inch MacBook. It's going to be faster than that, but probably not a lot faster than that. So if you can get, so basically look at the new Air as a developer, look at it the way you would look at the 12-inch MacBook. Uh, of like, you know, it, it's basically a MacBook with more screen space and a bit more performance. So if that has been enough for you, then this might be enough for you too. And and you have a lot of experience using a 12-inch MacBook as your secondary computer. What is that like as a developer? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say that is has been my sort of secondary computer for a long time. And I, um, when, the, when the MacBook first came out, I got sort of a, a top-spec one. And then as soon as the next one was re- re- revised, I just got another one because... Um, I really like the when I'm traveling. I, I it's typically not something that I need max power. It's not a situation that I need. You know, my, I'm sitting in front right now. You know, of an iMac Pro, like which is a completely different computer. It is it is it is fast and capable and has huge amounts of RAM and giant screen. Um, it has all of these capabilities that are great for my my day to day work. Like the you know the the eighty ninety percent of the time that I'm working, it's a the perfect machine for that. I would say, um, but I when I'm traveling, like I could get a you know, probably the best sort of middle ground one is maybe a thirteen inch MacBook Pro, which is sort of small but still very capable. Um, that's kind of interesting. But I've really liked working on just a MacBook, both because it's just I mean it's sort of almost impossibly small. Uh, I think it weighs about two pounds and, you know, it's like, it's small enough that you forget that you're, it's, it's in your bag kind of small, which can be disconcerting. Sometimes you're like, did I forget it in my hotel room? No, it's in my bag. I just can't feel it because it's so light. 
Um, it's that kind of small, which is great. So I can take it to places and on trips where I don't want my, I want to have a, have a Mac with me. Um, you know, which for me is usually I'm bringing it along for the, in case something happens, you know, it's, 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 and, or, or even, you know, it's WBDC where it's an environment where I'm going to be working, but I'm not going to be, you know, sitting in Xcode for eight hours a day. Um, it's, it's something that I'm doing something targeted, focused, uh, and working. And I have found a MacBook to be, sorry, the 12 inch MacBook to be totally fine in, in that situation. You know, it's limited. You know exactly what you're getting when you, when you go to it. Like it's, it's, you know, it's sort of smaller and less, you know, things, things take a bit longer, but it's never been problematic for me. You know, it's, 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 it, it works. You can get, you can get, get work done. I've released builds. I've, you know, added features. I've, you, you can do all of those things from it. And so for me, the MacBook Air is interesting because it is the, it's a, it's like a slightly beefed up version in many ways of that MacBook that I'm used to that, you know, it has two ports, which is very nice. Um, coming from a MacBook, which only has one. It's a bit faster and it's a bit cheaper, which is honestly kind of a nice thing too. Um, and the screen is that little bit bigger. Um, it's not dramatically bigger, but it's a little bit bigger, which I think would also be, um, you know, so sort of a, a, a nice thing. And so at this point, I'm looking at it as there's a good chance one of those will become my, um, you know, my travel work machine um, because it's the kind of thing that I can, you know, it doesn't feel quite as crazy to update on a regular basis. You know, that roughly every time, you know, every, you know, every rather than like my big computers, which I tend to try and update maybe every three or four years, like I, feel, I update these more like every 18 months. Um, and the cost is such that I'd rather do that in many ways and have a small, light, capable computer than, you know, go to a MacBook Pro, which is a substantially, you know, higher uh, cost, you know, fair enough for a bigger performance. But, you know, I, as soon as the benchmarks come out for the MacBook Air and I can get a sense of how it compares to my current MacBook, um, there's a very good chance it's going to become my, my primary travel machine. Yeah, like for that kind of need where it's it's really like a secondary machine, I've always found that... For any, you know, we people often ask me, is, you know, Mac, whatever, like, you know, whatever the new Mac is, is this good enough for development? Or, like, will I be able to develop on this? It's a very common question that we get. And the reality is, you can develop on pretty much anything uh, as long as it can run Xcode. Now, there are other factors that matter, but I think they're all kind of secondary. Like, if you're patient and, and if you, and if you aren't developing certain very specialized kind of, kinds of apps, you can develop on any Mac that you have that you can get your hands on that can run the latest version of Xcode and the latest OS. Um, that being said, though, screen space is the number one thing that, you know, like a lot of times, like, you know, so I have a, thir- I have a 13-inch MacBook Pro and a, an iMac Pro. And so, the, you know, this 27-inch beautiful iMac Pro screen, I always want to develop on my iMac Pro if I can help it. Whenever I'm somewhere with my MacBook Pro, I know I can develop with it. But I will usually not do so unless it's unless like I'm desperate or I'm really bored or I'm on like a five hour plane ride or something like that where like I just need something something like that to do or I need to get a certain thing done really quickly. But for the most part, I find development very unpleasant when I have very limited screen space. If I had the choice between a a smaller, faster computer or a bigger screened, slower one. I would pick the bigger screen one every time, even if it was slower. Like that's how much screen space matters to me with Xcode. Uh, and so it's like anything you can do to get more screen space, you will benefit from. But and and 
I think performance is very much secondary. I mean, if you're doing like a lot, a very large compilation, or if you are using like a lot of Swift modules that all need to be compiled and Swift is kind of slow, you know, like that might be different for you. But for me, compiling a mostly Objective C app uh, that isn't too in- insanely large, um, I think I'm I'm very very happy with uh, with the performance of almost any modern Mac for basic development work. But what really gets me is screen space. So if you are looking at this as a developer, um, I would strongly suggest get the biggest screen you're willing to carry and that you can afford, and the rest of the computer is much less important. Yeah, I mean, I think that's we've. we've I don't know exactly what point at what what point we crossed over into the world where it's like pretty much every computer is fast enough. It, it's like speed is now just one of the. It's that difference between. It's like it's nice. When it's faster, like my, you know, things compile quicker on my iMac Pro than they do on my MacBook, but it's not to the point where you, you can't get the job done, like where it's just painfully slow and you're, you know, you hit, you're, you're hitting build and run and then it's like two or three minutes until you can see what you did. Like it's, you know, incremental, incremental compilation helps a lot with this. Like Xcode is in general very good about, you know, trying to tighten that up and just, they're fast enough. Like there's, there's just not, it's not a big deal. And I think like, I think the you see your summary there, I think was exactly right. It's pick the biggest screen that you're willing to carry. Um, and, you know, obviously if it's a situation where you're using it primarily at a desk, get a giant, if you know, get a 15 inch MacBook pro, if you can afford it. Um, if it's primarily used for travel, then you're just, you know, it's everyone's trade-offs. There are going to be, you know, they're different for me. I just want small, like small is what I'm after. And I will put up with it being um, less screen space um, than you know for for that trade off. Though I will say in, on that score, especially now that the MacBook Air has a Retina screen, um, running these smaller laptops with more with the more space resolution option um, um, for me, I find works really well. Where you can you know it essentially it makes everything on the screen visually smaller. You know my close up vision is good enough that that's fine for me, um, and so I can kind of. Sc- Almost, you know, so if I can pretend that my teeny screen is a little bit bigger than it is in terms of, you know, the number of things that I can comfortably fit on the screen and so on. So that's just another little thing to keep in mind that it's a big plus that this, you know, this relatively inexpensive laptop um, is now Retina. That you know, it's like it's a substantial increase in terms of um, the amount of effective real estate that you have on the screen. So the Mac Mini, I guess, is next, um, which is an interesting machine, and I think as a developer, it comes in. It can fit in so many roles, which I think is like the Mac Mini isn't, it's not amazing at anything, It's but it's just really good at doing like everything, um, other than having a screen, I suppose. Um, it's not very good at that. <laughs> it isn't very uh, portable. It doesn't have a battery either. So. <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's true. It's, it doesn't, doesn't do, it has very, very poor battery life. Um, <laughs> but I guess the two things that come to mind for me with the Mac Mini is, A, there's the people who use these types of machines for continuous integration. Um, you know, you can use set up Xcode bots and there's a whole world of stuff that I know nothing about other than the few WWDC sessions I've watched about them. Um, you know, where you can have it so that every time you check in code or make changes, you're, you can have a, a server, you know, be aware of those, you know, take to grab the code, run a whole bunch of tests. If you have tests, um, it can do different tests on different simulators and the whole, like it's a very rich ecosystem that they have there. Um, and a Mac mini is a great tool for that. Because, you know, that's sort of, it's, it's almost like designed for that type of a work where it's just sort of sitting in a corner doing this sort of this, this faceless work in the background, sort of 24-7. It's just sort of sitting there listening and 
doing that would kind of work for you. So if that's something that you need, it's a great upgrade for that. I mean, these got really, it's a, if you were doing that kind of work on a previous generation Mac mini, going to one of these seems like it's going to be a dramatic um, speed up and improvement. Though I will say the funny thing about that kind of work is that it's less performant, uh, performance driven than um, interactive work because the nature of continuous integration is that it's happening in the background sort of asynchronously. So if you're, build system takes longer it's not as big of a deal but nevertheless it's still i think it's a, it's a worthwhile update that um f- f- for that kind of use i mean even just for the fact that if you have a mac mini there's a very good chance it's very old um and for computers that are on 24 7 they don't last forever so in that sense it's well quite welcome um but then i think the secondarily i also think of this is a really interesting um developer machine um to, to work with especially if you already have um an, a big display available to you because the performance for cost uh, for that Mac Mini is pretty good. Um, I mean, you can spec them up a little bit wildly, and things can get out of hand. But um, I mean, for a while, my I did all my development on an, old, an older generation Mac Mini. That was my home setup, as I had a Mac Mini, and it, it worked fine. Um, and I think it's an interesting thing just to keep and you keep in mind for that situation, where if a an iMac Pro or even just the big, you know, the 5K iMac is out of reach for you from a financial perspective, the Mac Mini is some so certainly an interesting option. I mean, you it's for relative, only for you know for for less than a thousand dollars you can get a Mac Mini, and that's a lot of performance um, that you can get out of that. So just certainly something to keep in mind. Um, if you're very, very cost conscious and have, you know, just to sort of have a monitor available to you, that's a great machine. Yeah. The only thing I would say is um, I, I would definitely spec it up to, you know, like the base processor is not a great processor. It's made to be a low power processor and that's fine. Uh, if you don't want to spend the extra 300 bucks on the upgrade processor, it, the base one is fine. Eight gigs of RAM, again, not ideal for development, but will be fine. The one thing you do want to spec up is the storage. Now, if you want to, like, you know, hack around with external things, I don't, you probably can. It's a little bit tricky to try to make macOS map some of the folders onto external storage and everything. If you just don't want to deal with that and you just want the storage to work, I would strongly suggest a baseline of 256 gigs of storage. That does bring the price up to $1,000. But, I again, I strongly recommend, like, that's the one thing, like, Xcode development eats up screen space, which you can do what you want here, and it really eats up disk space. Everything else it can be pretty flexible on, but you need disk space. So at least 256, I would say on that. So that does put you up to $1,000, but that's still, you know, if you already have a monitor, that is still considerably cheaper than uh, a similarly spec iMac. Yeah, and I think too on the storage side, it's the, if you're going into it as a developer machine, like you can, development to itself like I think you'd be fine with you know a 256 gigabyte drive. Just keep in mind that you're not going to be it's, it's it's if you're going to use it for other things like you're going to be storing your family pictures on it and so on. And like those are the things that I find would just demolish your the storage that you have. You know, like Xcode takes up space. Like every Xcode, every you know, every time I have to download a new Xcode, you know, um, version and it's you know it's four gigs and then I have to I unzip it and it's another four gig. Like it, it it adds up and it needs a good bit of working space. But it's just something to keep in mind that you can make it work. But just be very thoughtful about what else you put on that if you're getting this for the sort of like the value option. Um, but anyway, yeah, it's just it's a really I'm very glad that they updated the Mac Mini, like even just from the perspective of like it's just a it's a great utility machine. And you just never really and like 
I find that it, it can fit a lot, solve a lot of problems. Um, sometimes that you don't even know that you have. Um, so it's like, I'm glad that it's there. I think glad that it's relatively inexpensive. And I think it's nice that it kind of opens the door a little bit. Like the starting point for, um, the Mac is a little bit lower, which I mean, part of when I uh, was starting out, like I came into iOS development. I mean, this is a decade ago, but I came into iOS development, not owning a Mac. Um, you know, my, my background wasn't a Mac development at all. And so it's nice that they've kind of lowered the, you know, the baseline to something that if you just, if cost is your absolute, your absolute king for you, the cheapest Mac you can get is now not, uh, you know, it, it is, it is, has gotten a nice big boost. So that's a nice plus. It's also the entire world of things you can do with a Mac in a data center. Like, so there's Mac Mini Colo and Mac Stadium, which I, th- I think they just merged. Um, but, you know, you can, you can actually have companies that will host a Mac for you in a data center as a server. And so th- that opens up a lot of possibilities for various types of back-end options for your apps, maybe, or just other kind of, like, hosted data center roles. Maybe it's for things, you know, things like DevOps kind of stuff. Um, and, and so, like, that that option was kind of questionable to invest heavily in when it appeared that the Mac was that the Mac Mini was going away, was being discontinued, and maybe the Mac Pro also was. And so now that we have you know a promise about the Mac Pro and actual products with the Mac Mini now being updated, I think the option of having Mac Minis being hosted somewhere as a part of your business or a part of your your uh, computer life has now become more viable and and you know, a little more future proof going forward. So that, that's, that's another whole world. I've never gone that world, but we have some friends who have, and it seems pretty cool. Yeah. And I think that world is certainly interesting for, you know, you imagine the earlier topic of like the it, continuous integration and those types of situations. Um, I think it becomes very interesting if you have a, you know, you have a, a, a team that's not all in one location or those types of situations. You could imagine, you know, a Mac mini that's sitting out somewhere. Like it's the nice thing about it. Like it's obviously you can, set up a Linux server, you know, very, very inexpensively and run a tremendous amount of things. But there's certain things like Xcode that are just for the Mac. And so if you need to do something that is very Mac centric, if you need a Mac, it's certainly nice that, yeah, that you can put it in a data center. It can be well, you know, climate controlled and have, you know, be beautifully regulated power supplies and all that kind of stuff that, um, you know, would you get the benefit from a data center rather than just putting it in a closet? So it just certainly is an interesting thing to keep in mind. And I'm, you know, it's, it's I imagine the people who have, you know, if you if you have Mac Minis that have been running important servers for you right now, I imagine get the update is is going to be well well received after you know several several years of nothing that you're just you know running whatever you, whatever you had and hoping it just didn't fall down. All right, next up, iPads. But first, we are brought to you this week by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. They let you easily create a website for your next idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. Whether you want to create a blog, a portfolio, or something harder usually to host, like an online store or a podcast, Squarespace is an all-in-one platform that lets you do all of that with incredible ease. There's nothing to install, no patches or upgrades to worry about, Squarespace has all that covered for you. All this is backed by award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they also let you quickly and easily grab a domain name now during purchase. All these award-winning templates that they offer to have your site be so beautiful are professionally designed for you to show off your great ideas, and of course you can adjust them to your heart's content with all visual, easy, intuitive tools. Squarespace plans start at just $12 a month. You can start a free trial with no credit card required. You do all this at squarespace.com 
com slash radar. When you decide to sign up, use the offer code radar to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and show your support for Under the Radar. So once again, squarespace.com slash radar to start your free trial and use code radar at purchase to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. So the iPad Pro was updated in a, in a pretty big way. Uh, and I'm, I, you know, for, for developers, you know, obviously there's the there's the direct ramification of like if you work on an iPad app, there's a new iPad out, and so you know sales will probably go up for a little bit and things like that. So you know there's there's kind of like the, the the obvious things. What about like what are some of the non obvious implications? I mean, to me, like there's there's two major areas here. There's like are there any new markets for apps that the new iPads open up? And number two, I think are there new ways that developers can use iPads for our work? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing that comes to mind for me is that it, I see this device and I see it's in like the initial kind of benchmarks that people seem to be running about it. And they talk about how fast it is. And I see this in like per our earlier discussion, I want the smallest, lightest developer machine possible. Like that's what I want. And I see this device and I'm like, why can't I run Xcode on this? Like I really would love, like it seems like a great fit for that kind of purpose. And who knows if it'll ever come, but I see this and like, that's what I, I love that thought. And then even just looking at it, it's one of these like, and I have to temper this because aspirationally, I've always thought, oh man, it'd be great to use an iPad as part of my developer like situation that I can use a pencil and I could sketch things out and I could do a lot of things with it. <laughs> it's exactly um, my rationalization. Like, oh, I want to be able to sketch things with a pencil because like I never use paper for that purpose. But for some reason, I think I'll use an iPad for that purpose. Yeah. And so like, I, I, I have enough of... And enough self-awareness to know that that isn't actually going to happen. That isn't actually what I do. Um, but I see this device and it's just, it's just beautiful. And I think it's very, it seems like it is, it's capability, it's current capabilities are way lower than what its potential is. Um, and I think that is interesting from, to me that I think the, I, I would love a world where this became my travel development setup and I could do all the things um, that I could do from it because it's just it's gorgeous. I mean, it's it's it, like visually, I haven't seen one. I think you you have, so you could speak to this a bit more strongly. But it it just looks like an amazing device, and I mean, it's remarkable to me that it's thinner than an iPhone, and iPhones are pretty thin, and it's you know it's it's this 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 gorgeous, teeny but tremendously capable and powerful device that you know like the initial like. Geekbench scores that people seem to be finding for it, you know, indicate. I mean, or even just comparing it to an iPhone XS or XR, like the A love the A twelve chip is you know faster than most of the most of the MacBook line, and for certain operations, is probably faster than you know it, it is faster than all of the MacBook line, and it's like it's kind of a crazy thing that it's it's it feels like this tremendous tool, and I'm just frustrated I can't use it. Um, or at least I can't use it for the core thing that I do. And I have to kind of invent reasons and justifications for using it, which in practice has never actually worked for me. <laughs> I'm, I'm the exact same way. I want this object so badly. It is so cool. And I use an iPad all the time. Like I, I use an iPad Pro in my house constantly. It is my like kitchen and living room computer, basically. And, but, you know, but it's doing basic consumption tasks most of the time it's doing overcast playback and web browsing and email and twitter and stuff like that and so i have no need for one of these things but man do i wish i did 
and I might buy one anyway because they're just that good. <laughs> they're just that good. Like they are exactly as good in person as you think. Like I had some brief hands-on time with it. it. It is exactly as good as you think it is. Like it's fantastic. The new pencil, and that's so. The pencil is the one area where I think like what opens up new possibilities here is you know if you had if you had an app that were that like couldn't be on the iPad for some reason, it probably still can't. Like with with very few exceptions, like the new iPads haven't really added new types of apps that can be made. They have just made everything better that was there before. But there is one exception, and that is if your app was very dependent on the pencil or needed that secondary pencil uh, gesture, where now they have the double tap on the pencil to to you know switch tools or you know have your app interpret it however however it wants to interpret it. I feel like the the new pencil being having that permanent on top attachment and have it always be charged and everything. I think the result, you know, a lot of us bought iPad Pros over the last couple of years and pencils, and a lot of us have used them, but a lot of us haven't. A lot of us, like the pencil is lost or sitting in a drawer discharged most of the time or at the bottom of a bag because it fell off and, you know, we it's discharged also. And so to have a pencil that is always there and always charged is a pretty big shift in how easy it is to use the pencil if you have it and how often you are likely to use it then. So any app where pencil input was important or required i think that that kind of app will now see a boost and now has opportunity to capitalize on these new models where most other apps the result will just be you can do what you could do before faster yeah and it's, it's the only thing with the ipad that i think about and i always get stuck on it's like i love the I, I love the thought of making apps for it but i still don't feel like there's a, a rich enough marketplace for it like the device feels more too too specialized and too uh like i don't know like the economics of it just never quite work out on my mind i mean i have a couple of ipad apps and it's just it's such a it, it it's a it's a really it's lovely but it's just not quite there when you compare it to its big it's like its little brother the iphone just crushes in terms of you know volume and all of the things that you kind of have to if you if, if any aspect of your business model has to make it up with volume the iPad isn't isn't there at this point, and I think especially the iPad Pros are like even smaller of a subset of a subset. Yeah. Like it's the you know there's most iPads I imagine that are sold are going to be the the inexpensive basic iPad, and they're used primarily you know like the iPads I see in the world I see are you know it's children either watching shows or playing games or those types of things. Like that is the primary use that I see for iPads in the world. Um, and the iPad Pro is a tremendous device, but it just seems doesn't seem like you have to either have the a such a rich and sophisticated application that enables workflows such that people are willing to pay substantial amounts of money for it, or the economics I just don't think work uh, work or like work out because it's not the kind of thing that you'll ever make up in volume that you're going to be selling you know, sort of thousands of copies rather than tens or hundreds of thousands of copies of um, just because the device volumes are just so much lower. And I think that's disappointing. Like, I, I mean, I remember when the iPad first came out and I was super excited and I launched a whole bunch of apps for it. And it was like, there, you know, there was a period where the iPad did have that sense of a sustainable ecosystem around it. But I just don't feel that now. And I know that it's like, I hear from people who spend a lot of time in that area that you know that maybe I'm wrong. Maybe there's it's it's sort of gradually growing and getting better over time. But you know, for me and myself, I've just never quite gotten to that point, and it's disappointing, and it kind of makes me sad. And I think I guess the more people who are like me, who are just kind of sad and don't do anything about it, are part of the problem. But 
you know, that that was also kind of the reality of where it is. Yeah, it's it's tricky with, you know, the economics, as you said, like, it's very tricky because, like, as a developer, you, it, it it's the most sensible course of action is usually to optimize for the phone, have a version for the iPad that's kind of just like a, a big layout for the phone version and call it a day. And and there's there's not a lot of reason for most people to specialize for the iPad. And that's unfortunate because like I think like the very first wave of apps and games even uh, for the iPad were specialized for it because everyone thought that would be like a bigger a bigger market or a sustained market. And then as the iPad has gone on, I think the economics of everything caught up with everybody and everyone, you know, kind of contracted and optimized and realized like they're better off just making iPhone versions bigger economically. But I, I do feel like that is holding the platform back in some way. That's why, I, you know, maybe the upcoming Marzipan stuff might actually be really good because in the sense that, like, it merges the iPad and Mac software market to some degree. And the Mac market has big apps that are custom-made to be big and to, to be productive and everything else. So to have that be merged, I think, might actually be really good for both the Mac and the iPad and the software ecosystem. Yeah, and I think you just see it as something that... There, there seems like there's tremendous pretend, potential here, and I think it's we're going to have to wait probably till next June and next WWDC to really see if that potential is going to be realized and when it is realized, what that would look like. Because I think if June comes around and there's not a compelling new story, um, it's kind of a disappointment. It, but it's very possible with a device this capable, this beautiful, this like everything, like everything's turned up on it. Like it is, there's not much compromise. There's a lot of potential there, and I, lo- I hope that Apple is able to take advantage of that um, in the future. Because it just it's so nice. I just want one. I, I think I might, I might just buy one anyway. But I wish I like I I want it so badly because it's just such a nice device. I I hope that in the future I can get more of my work done on it. Me too. Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next week. Bye.